Welcome to the Trojan Tailgate Podcast Network. I am proud to introduce to you today your home for honest sports analysis that you won't hear anywhere else. All from a group of friends that met at Troy University. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And here's your host, Hampton Sipper. to another edition of the Trojan Tailgate Network's NFL Recap Show, our final show of the 2020 season. My name is Hampton Sipper, and I am joined by my good friends, as always, correspondent at large, Graham Haney, the Reddit extraordinaire himself, Chase Haney, and making his (laughs) triumphant return (laughs) is... As he coined it himself, Lazarus, <laughs> a.k.a. Kyle Edwards. How's it going tonight, guys? Good to be here. Good to be back. Uh, Chase, I was listening to the podcast uh, from last week, and, man, it really touched my heart when you when you gave me a moment of silence. Um, I sat there <laughs> and just I, I embraced the moment of silence, and I, I was like, man, I hate I couldn't be there, but it's good to be back. And a little little side note, I don't know if y'all saw – but old Heineke signed a two-year deal. Yes, sir. Let's go, baby. I was going to mention that, Kyle, if you didn't see it. I was going to mention that's that's pretty sweet, man. What what a like a Ron Rivera move, man, to go out there and sign a quarterback for four million dollars. I'm saying, man, season, like, you know that's crazy. He was a, he was a backup in some other league. He was either XFL or CFL. I'm not sure which one. But then he gets one shot, one shining moment against the goat who has seven rings and really balls out and. You want to talk about having one game to change your life? I mean, the dude had one game and just locked up, locked himself up eight million bucks and maybe some more if he can continue to play well. Got to love it for that guy. Um, but yeah, it's good to be back. I'm excited to do the show. Chase, heard we got some interesting news. How we doing over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're good. I want to throw one more thing in. You said, uh, you said Heineke, uh, man. Yeah, he had one good game. Well, let me tell you somebody who had one good half. <laughs> That's Jeremy Lynn. He did the same thing. <laughs> Um, Pat McAfee said, I want to give him credit on that. Uh, that was pretty funny. He was talking about just, hey, man, one half can all of a sudden, you know, make you millions of dollars. And, uh, man, I mean, yeah, if you come up and play in the right moments, dude, um, I mean, that, that's that's attractive if people want to take a chance on you. Hey, tw- tw- and, hey uh, tw- I want to pop in. Huh? 12 years ago today was Lynn Sanity. It was 12 years to the day. That's when right. It went off, baby. Just was Gotta love it. Carrying the torch, man. Yes, sir. Carrying the torch. Um, yeah, man, uh, for, for our listeners out there, just, um, man, yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, hoping that I survive because uh, tested positive for the COVID-19. And, uh, yeah, man, big rip, big rip <laughs> in the chat. Uh, tested tested positive on Friday, then negative on Monday. Um, so, yeah, uh, thankfully, um, I'm a, uh, I, I feel great. I'm glad to be here. And uh, got somebody to give me uh, company with my dog, Duncan. So everything's good this way. But, uh, Graham. I think that, that, man, something's a little bit different about you since the last time we did this podcast. Man, I, Is there something that maybe happened in addition to the uh, 
the Super Bowl that you'd like to tell us about? Yeah, I think it was, it was the day of the Super Bowl. Uh, just got done watching the game, and uh, it, it was a good day, a really good day for me overall. Turned uh, 22 years of age. Praise the Lord. Mm. Uh, you mm. know, got to thank him for that and give the credit where it's Big due. double deuce. That's right. And uh, I couldn't have thought my day was going any better, and then Chase decided he wanted to try and one-up me and get the attention of my parents, and I'm, <laughs> I'm positive for COVID-19, and just everything goes into turmoil. Uh, it, Typical. It, it, it was a great weekend. Hampton, I, I was talking to you before the game, and I said, you know, I really don't have any stake in the game, so it doesn't really matter, uh, you know, how the game ends out. But I said, I really would just like for it to be a shootout. And, man, was I wrong. I mean, the only thing with was getting shot out was uh, – uh, Patty Mahomes' legs, because man, them things—he was always—he <laughs> was always on the ground, man. Uh, but yeah, I, overall, it was a good game. Uh, I, I thought that Tom Brady officially—if he wasn't before, he definitely is now—the goat of goats in the NFL realm. And I don't know if he'll ever be reached. So, Hebden, how's it going in uh, Enterprise down there? Man, it is going well. Uh, we're having a good work week. Uh, get the get hey, the hey, new. Hey, <laughs> cut to the chase. What's the recipe of the week? Well, you 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 thunder. I was going to say I was. I get to choose my recipe of the week on Friday. I can't wait for that. Um, this past week it was chicken Alfredo pizza. Mm. So how uh, you can get much better than that? But uh, doing well on my end, Chase. I was going to ask you, did you um. For your COVID test, did you get the new and improved COVID test or the old reliable? Man, I well, <laughs> I don't know about the old reliable. <laughs> I've uh, the the one that I took that was a positive was one that I did myself. Baylor's actually testing us uh, once a week for the whole like the rest of the semester. Uh, so, dude, I've I've been getting COVID tests tested a lot, and then the one that I. Uh, tested negative on on monday was the old brain tickler you know what i'm saying so <laughs> the brain tickler. yeah yeah man so it's, it's, I, gotta say. I think we'll look back at this time in history and there'll be i mean so many things to talk about but i know people who have not even been tested yet like ever and i'm like dude i think that i'm like almost on double digits now um yeah which i mean just you know hey it, just kind of wherever you are and um yeah higher education definitely wants to keep their name out of the news so um you know keep their you know keep their numbers low so Anyways, but uh, yeah, I, I just the reference that I was talking about is that I texted Hampton today about something, and he kind of gave me his opinion. Opinion, I said, Hampton, what do you know besides the recipe of the week? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what about the film of the week? What do we got going on? Are we are we doing Chris Nolan? Or are we still on that? We're on um, honoring uh, Black History Month movies, so we had Black Panther last week. Okay, and then the old tried and true. Remember the Titans. Ooh, good movie. Uh, yeah, so uh, a little, little Herman Boone action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, a little bit of Bill Haney. So hey, get some, get some, get some glory Haney. road in there. <laughs> Can we really trust that? <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know if we can. Maybe Coach Carter, but uh, not uh, not Court Road. And uh, before we move on, shout out to Bill Haney for following me on Instagram. I felt like that was a pretty big honor of my lifetime. It's uh, funny. on Instagram. So, uh, yeah, hey, hey, he, played a few, he played a few movies, kind of like uh, Remember the Titans. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and no, Train Yeah, yeah, the reference we're making right here, guys, is somehow my uh, Caucasian father <laughs> looks a lot like Denzel Washington. And uh, you just got to see to believe it. 
Fact, fact check, true. Fact yeah. check, true. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, before we get too off the rails, how about we break down uh, the big game from this past Sunday? Uh, before we do, I want to give a shout out to my buddy, Sam, who I know will be listening to this podcast. He um, was so gracious to come on last week, uh, provide some valuable insight into the matchup of the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. And I think he predicted the Bucks to win by two touchdowns. So I think out of all of us, he got, got it most correct. But shout out to him for being a long-suffering Bucks fan and finally getting to experience the championship game. He called me after the game um, from down where he was watching it in Tampa. Uh, he was uh, going nuts. I could barely understand <laughs> anything he was saying, but uh, good for him. Good for him. Just wanted to get that out of the way. But for the actual game, I'm I'm going to go a little um, out of schedule. I'm going to start and give my breakdown. Then we'll kind of go from there. So, yeah, hey, it's my podcast, so I can do what I want. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, um, <laughs> crap, you got me off off uh, off my train of thought. Um, I think the first thing that I want to really dive into that I think was evident from kind of after the first couple drives is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I said it on last week's podcast, but from top to bottom, they were a more talented team. But more importantly than that, I think they were a tougher team. And what I mean by that is, um, Kyle, we texted during the game, and I said something about, like, the Chiefs being mentally um, – less mentally tough than the Buccaneers. And you kind of pointed out how they come from behind in games and uh, all the, you know that kind of stuff, and that proves that they're um, mentally tough. And from that aspect, I agree. But I think the Bucks were one of the few teams that actually came in and decided they were going to play bully ball on the Chiefs. They ran the ball right down their throat uh, with Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, who both had really, really good games. And the Chiefs were not able to stop it. And by the end of the game, they looked intimidated out there. I mean, they made Leonard Fournette turn into 2015 LSU Leonard Fournette when he was playing Auburn, and guys were jumping on his back, and he looked like the – number four pick in the draft again. So I think that was definitely one takeaway from the game is that the Chiefs didn't respond to the physicality that the Bucks brought to the game. Second thing, I think the Bucks are a great testament to coaching and the importance of coaching. On this podcast earlier in the year, we kind of talked about how the Bucks are a really talented team, but what they're doing as far as schematically – was not making sense for the personnel that they had. So offensively, they were taking a lot of deep shots, um, which Tom Brady is able to do, but they were not incorporating the quick passing game and the play-action game into that to kind of give them more of a uh, multiple approach on offense. And they were not running the ball um, or were not as committed to running the ball as they kind of showed in the game against the Chiefs. And I think that adjustment of doing a better mix of being balanced and, um, run, you know, running the ball, um, p- doing play action off of that, and kind of figuring out who they were was a big um, reason that they won the game and that they won eight straight in the year. And then on defense, Todd Bowles did an excellent job 
of kind of adjusting in the Super Bowl because he's very um, notorious for blitzing. And in the Super Bowl, he only blitzed five times, I think, in the entire game. He mostly brought pressure with four because he knew um, his defensive line uh, with the offensive line from the Chiefs being decimated, that they could kind of take advantage of that. Um, and when they didn't blitz and they just sent four, they would drop guy out and bring the nickel corner down, bring an outside corner to blitz, bring Devin White um, from his linebacker position um, in for a blitz. So I think they just did a great job of kind of figuring out who they were after that bye week. Um, and after they lost to the Chiefs the first time, um, you know, they kind of got – gut um you know hit with a gut punch of that first quarter but from then on they outscored the Chiefs like 55 to 19 I believe um from after that first quarter in the first matchup so that's my second takeaway and then my third takeaway is guys we gotta we've gotta be a little honest about Patrick oh my Mahomes gosh. because I, <laughs> I don't, hold on don't show oh my gosh me I'm not saying that he is the sole reason that they lost the game. He absolutely is not. It was a total team loss. I think Andy Reid did not do a good job of adjusting. When your offensive line proves that they can't protect your quarterback, stop calling five-man protection. Let a tight end, let a running back stay in and help block. Um, They didn't do that. They didn't really attempt to run the ball, which Chase, as you so aptly have mentioned this year, that lack of ability – um, to run the ball was going to hurt them eventually, and I think it really hurt them in this game. But the dead gum bending into pretzel knots to kind of defend Patrick Mahomes and how wonderful he is, and oh my gosh, he threw a pass and it was incomplete, but it was the most beautiful incomplete pass I've ever seen in my life. Like, I, I mean, I get it. He was running for his life, but also, here's a fun stat. He had more time more average throwing time in that game than he had at any other game the entire year. I think sometimes, yeah, he definitely was flushed from the pocket and scrambled around. But part of that was I think he kind of gave up on the play too early, whereas, you know, Tom Brady, when he gets pressured, he'll kind of get the ball out quick, and that alleviates from him getting hit a lot. And I think Mahomes was kind of trying to do too much instead of taking what the defense gave him. And – I'm not – like I said, he is not the sole reason that they lost that game. Their defense wasn't good enough. Their offensive line, I think, was a big key to why they lost it. But we need to be a little honest about, like, his performance in that game. He did not play well. Um, and it was very reminiscent of kind of how he struggled early in that 49ers game in the Super Bowl last year. Um, if, if any other quarterback kind of played that type of game, like if Aaron Rodgers – went out and played that bad against the Buccaneers, you would have never heard the end of it. So I just want to kind of point that out there. But, Chase, what do you make of the point I made? Am I kind of hitting the mark or am I missing something that you kind of want to bring up and share? Yeah, I think that the stats you mentioned, uh, that he had more time to throw, um, I, I wonder how that's, that's cap- what I was thinking. calculated. That's what just I was because, thinking. Yeah. Because, like, he – I don't know. Had, yeah, because he might have had the ball – like more time, but he's like scrambling around and stuff like that. It's not like he's sitting in the pocket. No, I agree. He didn't that's have what, a clean pocket. That that's what I saw. Um 
and, and again, I could I could be wrong. Um, it could be the stat actually says a lot, but I wonder how it's calculated. That's my only thought when I hear that. But uh, man, I, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I I think that I over I over like I thought that the Packers were a whole lot better than I feel like they actually were, and they got exposed by the Bucks. And I think that the Bucks really put it together, like here at the end of the season. It's, mm-hmm. It was honestly incredible to see how they went from being seven and five to doing this, and and I want to honestly just kind of come out and say that I was wrong, like in that man. I just I, yeah, like, it was such an incredible like this team looked like it couldn't, it, but then you look back and it looks exactly like how uh, like how Brady and the Patriots played, man. Like it's all about what happens after Thanksgiving, and uh, I mean just in typical New England, typical Brady fashion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's almost fitting that they lost to uh, that they lost to uh, uh, the that they lost to the uh, sorry, dude. Why am I forgetting who the Bucks? That they lost Chief. to the Chiefs <laughs> at the First man. Time. I feel like I am starting to experience <laughs> symptoms, <laughs> memory loss. <laughs> <laughs> I had that uh, to the I had that to the COVID. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I just I think that like it's almost like the Bucks went out there and were like, okay, let's like just size them up because we're going to see these guys again. Um, but anyways, man, I mean, I think what you're saying is fair. I think that, that I, I'm going to be honest. I feel like the Bucks won so decisively. It really makes me wonder if like having like their offensive line healthy and having other few guys that are healthy, I really wonder if they could even like, if that even changes the result in the game. I um, personally really, don't see it. It really like a beat down to me. And yeah. I, I, it did, there was no, I don't know. So I, 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 yeah, I think it it came down to like their running games a little, like like sus. I don't know. I would really love to see like more of like again. I think Kareem Hunt fit that backfield perfectly, and I think Clyde, I agree. Ed, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, like I think he's a really I, not that he was a reach. I think he's really difficult to tackle and can catch well. But at the end of the day, I just wonder if he's undersized. Like he really can't run between the tackles like you really want him to. But mm-hmm. uh, I could be cherry picking. But I mean, I mean, guys, we we kind of said before we started, like, what does? There's not really much to say about this game because it was so much of a butt whooping. Um, mm-hmm. But Kyle, I, I want to ask you: Do you think? Ask me that question. Okay, no, that, that's good. And I want, let, let me let me let me ask you real quick. Like, this is what I want to know: Is do you feel like this game would have ended differently if they like the Chiefs would have had? their offensive yeah. line healthy. Like, would that have fixed the problem 1, or what? thousand percent we would have had a different game. Okay. Here, I'm not going to say it would have changed the aspect. First and foremost, I want to say this. The Bucks beat the Chiefs in every single aspect of the game. There's no doubt about it. There's no yeah. denying it, especially in one spot. Let me tell you let – me, let me say something real quick. The best job in the world while also being the worst job in the world got to be the Chiefs punter. I mean, the dude gets paid a lot of Ooh. money – to never punt. The guy punted one time mm-hmm. in the entire playoffs. I, I don't even know how many times he punted in the regular season, which I know they're, they weren't completely as dominant throughout the regular season. But, I mean, you got to be like, Chiefs punter, that's easy money. I might go out and punt once a game. I'm going to have an easy job. But then when it gets to the Super Bowl, he doesn't have much experience, much practice. And, oh, buddy, really choked it up right there. Uh, poor guy. Just wanted to kind of mention that. I thought that was kind of funny that the punter – Yeah, I mean, poor guy. Baby. Um, but – so Hampton was reading off these cute little stats. Let me tell you something. When I was watching this game, 
I could have sworn that I was watching Scooter and Carson play NCAA 14 the way Patrick Mahomes was throwing the ball. I mean, I don't. if y'all ever see Scooter or Carson play in the NCAA 14, they'll run 30 yards in the backfield and throw it off their back leg and somehow magically make a good pass. And I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, this is the most unrealistic thing I've ever seen in my life. But then we watch Patrick Mahomes do it. Patrick Mahomes was horizontal and parallel to the ground and made a 40-yard strike off the dome for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Tyreek Hill dropped a catchable touchdown on the first drop. Now, I get it. Brady's guys had drops. Devontae Adams dropped a couple passes. I get all that. Um, but here's a couple here's a couple crazy stats. Record, 29 hurries. 29 hurries on Patrick Mahomes. And what's even crazier about it is what you were saying, Hampton, they blitz five times all game. This guy got 29 hurries mm-hmm. on him when they were bringing four guys for 90% of the game. Are you kidding me right now? So that what that is able to do, they're able to drop the other seven guys out in coverage, which makes it a lot more difficult to, to pick apart their defense. And so that in itself made it a lot more difficult on Patrick Mahomes. Okay, and then also, we were you were talking about the time – time and time to throw or whatever I was I was I'm glad you said that Chase because I was thinking the same thing I was wondering how they calculated like if if they calculated that time while he was in the pocket and then it stopped when he got out that I'm not sure of um because the dude ran fact check true 497 yards when he was scrambling or evading tacklers throughout (laughs) that game 497 yards when it when he was trying to escape the four defensive linemen they were bringing so if you're telling me that they're missing their two linemen doesn't change the aspect of that game, you're crazy. Now I also want to bring this up a little bit before you before you before you combat me. I am never okay. ever one to say the refs play the refs win or lose a game. Um, never am I ever one to say that. However, I'm not saying the refs dictated the the result of this game because, like I said, very first statement I said was the Bucks dominated every aspect of the game. But we're all lying to ourselves if we're not saying that some very, very timely, questionable penalties went the Bucks' way early. Are you kidding me? That interception, mm, yeah. don't, me and Hampton were texting about this. That was soft as Charmin. We're playing in the Dagon <laughs> Super Bowl. How in the <laughs> world are you going to call that? That happens on every single play. That should have been an interception going the other way. It completely changes the aspect of the game. And if you're like, eh, that could have been holding. Well, a play or two later, when Gronk catches a touchdown, they call holding on that one too, and they show the replay. And I'm like, now are that, you kidding me? That was horrible. And like, I told you. Horrible, but it just shows how bad the other one was too. If they're calling that, like, are you kidding me right now? That's uh, horrible. The other, other one was not holding. They grabbed every – he didn't even throw the ball at his way. It was awful. I was sitting here. I was like, are you kidding me? That, okay. Okay. That happens all the time where they call holding when they don't throw it their way. Well, that if happens we, all if the we time. go back to every other single game of the playoffs, especially the Green Bay one where it was physical and they were letting them play the whole time, like and they weren't even consistent. Like it was like there's I, holding on. There's holding on every single play. It feels like, but it just so happens when Tom throws an interception. Oh, we got to throw some flags out here now. We can't <laughs> let this be happening. He's got to get number seven. He's got to get number seven. Uh, yeah. But no, in all seriousness, the Bucks dominated every aspect of the game. They deserved the win. They definitely were the better team. But we're 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 kidding ourselves if we're saying this isn't a different ball game with those two linemen on the field. We're kidding ourselves. This is all I'll say before I kick it to Graham so he can give his thoughts. I'm not saying that they would not have made a difference in the game. I 100% think they would have. 
made a difference. But do I really think Eric Fisher and um, I think Mitchell Schwartz is the right tackle's name, do I think they're like elite enough to totally change the outcome of the game? No. Do I think it's a closer game if they play? Absolutely I do. But I th- I th- like I said before the Super Bowl last week, from top to bottom, the Bucks were a better team on all and especially on defense and the way um, that they gelled, um, especially like the last half of the year, I think it wouldn't have mattered who they were out there or not. I just I think they were more dominant and more complete team. Um, the, on the on the Mahomes thing, I get I get what you're saying, and I never said that he was the main reason they won. They lost the game. My only point was I don't like how he's just kind of gotten a pass completely. And, like, again, he was under constant pressure, and that a lot of that was on the O-line, but some of that was on him. Um, as far as not – I don't think he got the ball out on time, and I think even when he did have a clean pocket, he was kind of giving up on the play too quickly and not giving it a chance to develop at times. But, like I said, I'm not saying he was the main reason they lost the game or anything like that. I just kind of wanted to point that out and be a little different from – every other sport talk show that is just kind of fawning over how incredible his incomplete passes were. Um, that was my only point with that. But, Graham, what are, what are your thoughts on um, all this? you have a unique take that you want to share with us? Uh, we'll see as we get there. But I, I just want to say, I, th- I think I've done a good job. I've kind of covered okay. every aspect of it that I really, you know, w- would kind of thought about when preparing for this, you know, the – the Buccaneers really did dominate the game from start to finish. The Bucks defense had Patrick Mahomes guessing, uh, disguising coverages, not letting them get easy throws in. Um, you got to yeah. give the Buccaneers a lot of credit on that. And uh, part of that is Todd Bowles on defense. I think that um, at this time, there's probably a lot of co- a lot of organizations that are looking around and saying, mm, "Are we satisfied with the guy we got?" Knowing that a guy like Todd Bowles or Byron Leftwich. Um, that, that played such big factors in the Super Bowl are still out there. Um, I think that that'll come into to mm-hmm. teams' minds, and that's a lot of the articles I've been seeing out there are, you know, or, you know Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, you know, really played, you know, they performed excellent uh, in the biggest game of the year, and no one took a shot on them. So I think that there'll be some teams that are kind of uh, second-guessing their decisions um, here going forward. I also want to kind of talk about, you know, what Kyle was bringing up about the officiating. I, I'm not going to say that it plays it, it plays such a, huge, a big of a factor as it does. Um, it always just seems that the big moments where the officiating seems to get, um, you know, cr- you know, we get critical of officiating. And it seems like, you know, in MLB, whenever the playoffs come, the strike zone kind of it kind of shrinks a little bit. We're, we're not we're not going to ring you up on something yeah, that, that could be a ball because that could change the game immensely. But it seems like throughout this whole NFL playoff and Super Bowl, it's like the strike zone has expanded. So we have to call anything that could ever be close, just so we don't miss anything. And I think that that hurts some of the some of the some of the game in itself. I, I think there were a lot of calls that uh, were questionable in this game. And in previous games, I'm not saying that they determined the game at all. I'm just saying that it, why does it, it NFL's policy to expand the strike zone ever since uh, you know the Rams DB absolutely blows up the Saints corner, and then they 
next year they say, you know, we'll re- we'll be able to review pass interference calls, and then they take it away. Um, I I think that's something that the NFL maybe should mm-hmm. look into, just the consistency of officiating. It it seems that it only goes one way, or it only uh, you know only these refs seem to call it, and there shouldn't be. Uh, too much of a difference in how the game's officiated because the rules don't change based on who who the officials are. Um, so I, I think that's uh, something that I hope the league looks into. But I think – yeah, go ahead, Chase. Graham, you, I just want to chime in for a second. Because I think even like even the people who were – I think Bromo was, was talking about how the Chiefs' defense, like they were known for holding yes. something like that. And I think the only point that I really want to make is that Every time before a game starts, you know, you've got the head coach talking to the mm-hmm. referee. You've got the starting quarterback. And I just I just got to say that – two, two, two small points. I think what we're trying to say is that, like, in that Packers game against the Bucks, I mean, they were letting them play. They were letting mm-hmm. them play. And then you get in this game, and it seems like you're on the other end of the spectrum. And my only, only criticism, I think, as a fan is that it seems like – Tom Brady has the ears of the officials more than mm-hmm. really anyone else in the league, um, which mm-hmm. it just it, like we kind of said, it seems like they only really go one way. Do I think they affected like they affected the game, but does it affect the outcome? I don't think so. But man, like starting the game off that you're just like, whoa, like some of those you I, I just I think in other games you see those not be called. But uh, again, if you're if you're, I know if you're a Chiefs fan, you're sitting there saying, "Oh man, they sit there and listen to you know Tom Brady before the football game, saying, hey, look, they hold, watch, you know, watch out mm-hmm. for it,' and they actually listen to him.' Mm-hmm. I think that was, I think that was a really good way to explain it with the expanded strike zone. What's up, Kyle? Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna, I want to chime. No, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because I was gonna say the exact same thing. I was listening to a podcast earlier, and they were talking about last year how. The 49ers coaches said that the Chiefs DBs are very are known to hold and are very grabby, and they felt like if they got those calls in um, the Super Bowl last year, they would have won. Um, and I, Kyle, I you know while we disagree on the Mike Evans one or whatever, that you know whatever, but I'm with you on the fact of if I have to choose between the style of how you're going to call the game in a big game like that. Call it like the Packers Bucks game and let them play and let them play on both sides and then don't change your mind in the, at the very end of the game that you're going to call something that you've been allowing all um, you know you've been allowing all day. Um, but Graham, I wanted to um, I wanted to ask you real quick. So Tom Brady won MVP, winning or only throwing for over barely throwing for over 200 yards. Um, what did you make of his performance, and do you think it warranted um, the MVP, or do you think that should have gone to Gronk? Um, no, or I someone, think that Tom Brady else. was uh, – he, he's probably the most deserving uh, of the you know, people out there. I think that the, the really the credit needs to go to the defense for the Buccaneers. I mean, I think the offense for the Buccaneers played, played really well in fourth third, mm-hmm. it's hard to do in the Super Bowl. Um, however, there wasn't one guy that was making every single play on defense, getting all the sacks and all the interceptions. I mean, Devin White was everywhere, but he he he, he was he, he was incredible. making plays. But yeah, I, I think that you got to give it to Tom Brady. I mean, the throws that he made to Gronk, you know, 
it, it takes somebody to get to the ball before you you can uh, catch touchdowns. So man, that little that little five yard dump off the Grok was fantastic. Yep, fantastic. <laughs> Not hey, no other quarterback in history no, can make that throw, right, Cal? <laughs> Except for my man Heineke. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Yo, but hey, can, can I throw one more, dude? There was somebody though. Uh, who was the defensive lineman, man? That they could not guard. Um, Bear or Pierre Paul? Uh, what was the first one? Oh, uh, oh, okay. It was either Shaq Barrett, Vita Vea, or Jason Pierre Paul. <laughs> I think it was Shaq. I think it was I Shaq know. Barrett. I think it was Shaq Barrett. But, dude, it just didn't seem no. like they could. They couldn't guard any of them. But no. Pierre Paul played well, dude. Their whole their whole defensive line um, well, took advantage of the situation. The amount of push that Vita Vea generates especially on that interior and kind of causing the pocket to collapse, it allows those other guys on the outside to be even more effective. And their defense, I think, went to a whole other level when he came back in that Packers game. Um, and I think him getting another two – like another week of rest between the NFC Championship and the Super Bowl uh, really helped him out. Um, and then I want I, – I know you shout out Devin White. I want to shout out Levante David for the way that he guarded – Travis Kelsey, I've seen many, many a player try to guard that man and have looked foolish doing it. Levante David played him about as perfectly as you can. Um, so I want to give a shout out to him. Um, long time listener of the show. Long time listener of the show. Yeah. Hey, um, hey, I have a hey, fan. Hey, hey, yeah. Uh, shout, but out, Graham, shout out Mr. David. He held Kelsey to 10 and 130. Great job, man. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, okay. I want to. Or garbage yards at the end of the game. When it actually mattered, he played incredible <laughs> defense on him. Man, that's like giving Andre. That's like giving Andre Iguodala right. his props. Like, great job, man. You got you got Finals MVP for but... LeBron to thirty six, twelve and eight. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Hey Nick Wright. Hey Nick Wright. Don't let that find you. Come on, man. He didn't guard us the whole time, and not only that. Like I said, he only had fifty to sixty. Through the first three quarters right, when Max the game Kellerman. actually mattered. I want Iguodala, Max hey. Kellerman. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, hey, for real, for real. I want to hop in oh, a second. Uh, I want to back – like, the question you asked Graham, I actually thought was a really good question. And I, I do agree with Graham. Um, I, I don't know if I go as far as to say that Tom was definitely the most deserving, but I'm a firm believer that Tom could have thrown three picks and one touchdown for 150 yards. If the Bucks won that game, Tom Brady was winning MVP. It did not matter. It did not matter what his <laughs> stat line looked like. He could have he could have thrown four picks, but if he would have let a game win and drive, oh MVP. Like it didn't matter. It, it did not matter at all. The narrative was already set. If the Bucks won the game, Tom Brady was winning MVP. It didn't matter. Uh, but I, I do think that was a good question. Uh, but if I had to give. Uh, if I had to give an MVP, it's going to go to Mr. Bowles. Got to be. Yeah, I can't, can't even give it to a player. Yeah. Um, I mean, nobody has done that to Patrick Mahomes ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, so, I mean, no. major props. But, yeah, I thought that was a good question. I, I, I yeah, like I don't know what, what Todd Bowles was drawing up on defense. But, I mean, the, the Chiefs offensive line was uh, down a few key pieces. But, man, their offensive line looked confused the entire game. Just letting free rushers come. Uh, you know, fairly often, which is very uncommon in the NFL with missed assignments. But, uh, man, I think that Todd Bowles was very deserving. If there's a an MVP for the, the coach of the game, it without mm-hmm. a doubt goes to him. I, I don't 
Hey, excuse me. I also, I want to say, if we're cool. talking about uh, MVP out of the coaches, it can't be Bruce Arians after all these comments he's saying after the game. I mean, Bruce Arians has basically been sat back and saying, I haven't done anything. I've let Tom do everything. I've let Gronk have days off. Like, I just see him watch. Like, like what? Like, he, I don't know if he's just taking a ton of shots at Belichick. But, I mean, the vibe he's been – like, it was really weird, especially in the beginning of the season. We kind of felt like Tom and Arians kind of had this – weird relationship where it was passive aggressive they were throwing shots at each other but now it's like arians is just like yeah i just sit here and watch i'll let them run the show i don't do anything and it's like what (laughs) but i don't know i I feel like they're dynamic throughout the year and even right now it's just kind of weird to me it's very interesting to see how it's played out but hey it worked i guess that's all that matters but Mm -hmm. well i will say um, as opposed to, like, I think the last couple of years in New England, Tom had fun this year. I think he really enjoyed being on this team, being in a new environment, um, and having a new challenge and a new hill to climb. In New England, I think it got stale, and he and Belichick had kind of come to the end of their rope. And I think he was just kind of happy to have another – to have a change of scenery and a new opportunity to – uh, with a new group of guys to chase the championship. And I don't – you know, there's some people who have said this is his best championship um, accomplishment. Um, I would disagree with that just because I think what he did versus Atlanta when you're down 28-3 and you come back and win that game, even though there were a lot of um, fortunate circumstances that led to that for, uh, for Tom, which uh, he – you know, his greatness, you know, what's that saying about luck? You make your own luck or, or whatever. That, that dude gets more fortunate than I – than Call any – Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> – I mean, he gets so many lucky bounces, lucky calls, um, but he takes advantage of it. So, you got to give him credit for that. Um, and not only that, I think he – just him as a leader and the way that he galvanizes the team – can't be understated. So, uh, any more thoughts on uh, the Super Bowl before we kind of kind of move you're on? Exactly right with what you just said. I mean, he is legitimately like four plays away from instead of being seven and three, being three and seven. Like literally four plays away from being three and seven. Um, so it, it is kind of. I mean, it goes both ways because yep. obviously the Tyree helmet catch. So I mean, you can kind of cancel one out there. I, th- I definitely think it kind of evens out in the end a little bit. But you're exactly right when it comes down to that stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of crazy. Well, well, well. Also, he's a uh, um, an Archie Manning not meeting um, Olivia Manning away <laughs> from winning nine. You know, uh, so um, <laughs> Oh Eli is responsible for two of those losses. Uh, shout out to Jason Morris for that joke. Um, but uh, anything else, guys? Graham, you got anything else you want to kind of wrap up on um, before we kind of move on and? Put this game behind us and put a put a close on the twenty twenty NFL wanna, season. I'm not going to say a shout out, but I'm going to say the real winner of the Super Bowl had to be the streaker. Uh, bet on himself and on. Uh, ended up winning big. So he won big. <laughs> I, mean, I, I couldn't a better formula for success than to bet on yourself. Uh, that's right. So all the fans that's out there, dream right there. All the people listening, uh, bet on yourself. Not not to, that you're going to streak during the Super Bowl, but always bet on yourself. You never know what you never know what you're going to get up to. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. Hey, 
Quarter of a million dollars with the bet. Only pay three hundred fifty dollars to Come get on. out of jail. We'll take that all day, baby. We're hammering the Dogecoin. <laughs> now, I, going to I the just, moon. I just want to say, like, and I think this is a good segue into what we're going to talk about next. This is what's so much fun about the NFL. Like, like you can, it, it has its flaws, but man, the most fun thing about the NFL, bro, is that like people don't stay good for long, and there's only one person who seems to be able to do it. It's Tom Brady. Yep. And I think the question going into this was, like, was it Bill or was it Tom? And I, I think it's just awesome to see how this year played out because there was a moment where they were 7-5, and five and I don't think anybody in here – I mean, it, it had been like me saying when I said that the Vikings were, like, top four team. I mean, really, I mean, about <laughs> that time, dude, like – Yeah. I, mean, I, I think Kyle saw it first, but, I mean, it, dude, I mean, it, that's the fun thing about the NFL is – Next year, I, re- I I know that the, 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 both of these teams are going to try to make a run for it next year, but uh, this is the beauty of the NFL is seeing that like man like it's not just one team that stays dominant the whole entire time like like there's a lot more teams that are trying to tank and reset than there are that who can stay at the top. So I think that's one thing college football is kind of like the four top four teams stay there, but uh, I don't know man NFL is a lot of fun getting to see all this free agency and stuff so. Man, but I, I want to know what these two teams do going forward. Hampton, what do you think – what do the Chiefs need to do to improve? And what do you think – do you think that the Bucks can bring all these guys back? What do you – where's your mind at on all that? Uh, so I'll kind of start with the Bucks because that'll be, that'll be a little shorter. I think they've got a lot of free agents that they have to tie up. You've got Chris Godwin, Levante David. Shaq Barrett, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, I believe, and Dominican Sue, possibly. So you have a lot of guys who played a big role on um, this, you know, the Super Bowl winning team that you kind of have to lock up. I think they let Leonard Fournette go. I think they can find a um, either ride it with Rojo or find a guy in the draft that they really like. What about all Adrian Peterson? Says he wants to come down to Tampa. Oh, dude, I would actually – I mean, I think AP has seen his better days are behind him, but that would be – He'd be, be, be kind of cool. He'd be the new LaShawn McCoy. That'd be kind of cool. McCoy has two rings now, and he hasn't played one down in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Chase, when he saw Tom Brady threw that ball, he'd be <laughs> – he'd be all in a tizzy. Um, but <laughs> throw that ball. <laughs> One year anniversary of that video. Oh, my goodness. Oh, really? Goodness gracious. Um, but I think they get rid of Fournette. I think they get rid of Antonio Brown. Shaq Barrett's going to be tough to keep. I think he's going to demand a high price tag. And I know they probably want to pay it. I just don't know if they'll be able to. You got Levante David, who wants to be one of the higher-paid linebackers in the NFL. And uh, I think that I think they'll find a way to keep him. you got to keep him and Devin White around to be your two cornerstones for the next um, five to six years. And I saw a thing where Tom Brady and Mike Evans are willing to take pay cuts or restructure their deal to keep as many players as they can. So the Bucks, I don't think, are going to be um, very, very active in free agency other than kind of re-signing some of the guys that they have now and honestly just being really good in the draft because they have – killed it in the draft the past two years with Winfield and Sean Murphy Bunning, Carlton Davis, 
Tristan Wirfs, as we, you know, we've kind of talked about that on previous podcasts. So I think that's the outlook for them. For the Chiefs, I think you need to get um, more offensive line help, which is evident after after this game, because I don't know if Eric Fisher will ever be the same after a torn Achilles, uh, especially on an offensive lineman. I don't know how well and how fast he will recover from that. I think you need that. As crazy as it sounds, you need to add to your receiver depth because I think the game Sunday showed you the Bucks had a good plan of putting a safety over both Kelsey and Hill at all times to kind of, kind of limit their impact. And I think they need another guy who can kind of step up. And I don't think Miko Hardman is ever going to turn into anything more than kind of a gadget wide receiver. And then that the other um, positions they need to address, I think they need better linebacker play. I like some of their young corners, uh, but you can always improve depth there. And then I think they need a better pass rusher. Frank Clark was all right this year. He hadn't been um, – I don't think he's been incredible for them. I think Chris Jones is a really good player. But uh, I would say middle linebacker and D-line um, with a little more corner depth is something that they really need to kind of look into uh, this offseason. Kyle, uh, when you look at these two teams, mainly Kansas City, because I don't think there's as much to look into uh, with Tampa Bay, what do you kind of see as their path forward to uh, maintain their place in the title. Yeah, I mean, I, each and I'm every not going to overreact to this, um, to this Super Bowl. I mean, Patrick no, Mahomes has lost one game in his NFL career by double digits, and it was it was last Sunday. Like, I mean, there's no reason to overreact, reconstruct anything. I mean, you got your main guys, you got Chris Jones, and like, especially offensively, like if if you keep your main, if you keep Kelsey Hill and Mahomes together, I mean, you got Edward Hilaire on the rookie deal, who's just solid. I mean, he might be a little little better than running back by committee, but He's a solid guy. You, the Chiefs aren't really looking to pound the ball anyways. But I think, like, you're right. I mean, get healthy at the line position. Get a little more depth there. That's the main thing because, the only, I mean, like I said, I, I know I hammered it already, but when you're able to bring four and drop back seven, that's really your, be, your best shot. And then Mahomes is taking snaps 30 yards deep in shotgun. Like, I mean, that's your best shot of stopping Mahomes, and, and they were able to do it. Um, but, like, yeah, if, if beef up your offensive line a little bit. It's really the only concern. If you can keep Hill Kelsey – I'm not really worried about the rest. About the rest, you can have your Miko Hardman's, your Sammy Watkins, if he can ever play two straight games. Um, even, 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 even Pringle, like <laughs> never. He, he had some big plays in the special teams. He he's a guy you can kind of mess with every now and then. Like, like yeah, it would be nice to get a third receiver, but I don't think that's necessarily at the top of the Chiefs Chiefs list right now. Um, get a healthy O line, protect Mahomes. That's really that's really the main concern for me. Um, and obviously, you can beef up your defense a little bit. But like I said, when the Chiefs can go give you forty, I don't think they're they're as worried about giving up twenty eight. Um, but I don't know. Like offensive line's got to be the main thing. Chase, did you see anything anything different? We're oh oh, got to get a punter. Good lord, got to get a punter. <laughs> uh, he shaved one. Come on, man. Come on. Uh, Graham, I'm gonna let you go next. Just uh, I like appreciate the courtesy. I'm gonna let you get um, some words in here. I'm gonna start with Kansas City. I, I think that uh, Hampton. I think he did a good job of covering uh, the team needs really on defense. Got to get better uh, edge play. You, you got to be able to pressure the quarterback, um, and that get, that kind of shows that the key to Tampa Bay success was to uh, really pressure Mahomes and get him uh, moving, get him uncomfortable, and then back the safeties up. And um, I, I don't have. 
I don't really see too many playmakers on this Kansas City Chiefs defense besides Chris Jones and maybe Tyra Matthew. Um, you, 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 I mean, you <laughs> can convince game, me of a few more, but I, I think the defense – not saying it needs an overhaul, but you, you got to get some more dynamic pieces uh, on the edge at linebacker, like you said, some, some corner pieces. Um, on offense, you got to get depth. I think that it's uh, so important in the NFL to have – multiple offensive linemen that can play multiple positions so that you're not playing your third string, you know, left tackle in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you need to be able to, you know, have, have depth on the offensive line. You got to obviously get them back healthy, add a few more pieces to uh, keep Patrick Mahomes happy or uh, somebody, or we might talk about this later, or uh, it might get him wanting out. Um, I think that, you know, it always helps to have more weapons, uh, you know, for your for your quarterback, so uh, receiver, tight ends, uh, running backs, uh, things like that could be good ads for the Chiefs. Not that they need to replace people, but uh, Chiefs on offense mainly need depth. I think that's their biggest need on offense. Uh, for the Buccaneers, I definitely think that you you have to pick who you like. I think you got to talk to Tom and say, Tom, what receiver do you want? Because you probably can't keep Chris Godwin and AB. You know, and, and Gronk, do you you know, want to keep Gronk? Yeah. I think Gronk will probably be back. I think that he wants to play with Tom, and Tom only wants to play with Gronk. I think Gronk yeah. will be back. Um, but I think that uh, Tampa Bay has a few tough decisions they have to make because they have some uh, they have some big free agents that they uh, that they could lose this offseason. I mean, most of their defense, uh, several of their defense players are uh, free agents this year. And uh, I think that – you got to talk to Tom. Say, Tom, who do you want? Who do you want at receiver? You got Mike Evans locked up. Do you want Goblin more? Do you want AB more? You know, you probably gonna get Gronk back. Yeah, and, and so um, Godwin you know, every day. Just, you got to add depth at receiver uh, in case something. And you know, because you're not be able to bring them back. I guess honestly, the uh, the biggest uh, need for the Buccaneers is just to run it back. I mean, I think that's the biggest. Um, that's the biggest sales pitch you can give to uh, a team after they win the Super Bowl. I think uh, a lot of these players might take a pay cut for you know for another year in order to try and w- win one more before um, their careers are over. Chase, what do you think the team needs are for you know Kansas City and and the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Both teams not losing uh, you know everybody on their team, but definitely have some key pieces that could be on the move this off season. Yeah, yeah, and I, I want to kind of like uh, one thing that was that was fun that Kyle was talking about is just how Coach Bruce has been active. I mean, with this, with this like win in the Super Bowl, he's kind of like, hey, it's not even me, but this is what he said today, and this is uh, I, I'm gonna uh, keep this uh, PG. So <laughs> yeah, I will, you better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I won't quote this directly. I'll uh, let you know what he's saying though. He says, "Run it back, uh, BS." <laughs> um, the good old Boy Scouts of America. Um, he says, that was Kansas City's BS. We're going for two. We're bringing everybody back. We're going to keep this band together, and they know how to win. And so, as a coach, that's exactly what you say. Um, but when you're on the Super Bowl team, I, the, the thing is, I think, let's just go directly to running back real quick. Um, when it comes to Rojo and Leonard Fournette, I mean, you just can't you can't pay enough to keep both those guys happy. And, uh, man, I mean, honestly, and, and you got to look at it from a player's point of like players' perspective, there's not many people who make it to this second deal where they're in the driver's seat and can go make more money elsewhere. Um, 
winning means a lot, but at the end of the day, you've only got one time to really – you've only got really one offseason to uh, – most players to get this position only have that one time to get that next big deal. Um, so I, I look immediately at the running back just wondering what uh, – like where where is – like where's the buck – like where are their heads at on that? I, I think that Rojo obviously is, is a good player who, mm-hmm. who has his shine – but at the end of the day, you don't bring in Shady and you don't bring in Leonard Fournette if you had full confidence in Rojo. And, and I'm not even kidding you. I texted I, – I literally texted Hampton during the thing, like during the game <laughs> watching it. And I was really like – like like Rojo – he said something about Rojo going off and I was like, until he fumbles and then he puts the ball on the ground. And I, I just – I wonder what they do at that position going forward. Um, I mean, honestly, I, I don't know if they, if they don't let both of them walk and just draft a running back and bring in somebody like, honestly, like an Adrian Peterson. Yeah. So and, uh, like, let, what's up? Go let, ahead. Let me cut in real quick. So, Rojo is on the final year of his deal next year. Mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette is a free oh, agent. Year. So, they can still okay. – um, so, Rojo's still there, but keep going. No, that, that makes sense. I, I, he was on Pat McAfee earlier, and I was uh, listening to what he said. It made it sound like he was actually done. Um, so that's helpful to know. Okay. But, no, I think you're right with the Bucks too. Um, I mean, I mean, like the wide receiver core, you can't keep all those guys. I think Chris Godwin, if you're asking me, I think he's the best, like, complete receiver. I think that he blocks well. I think he catches yep. the ball extremely well. I, I think he's the best receiver in that that, uh, that lineup. But I think that Mike Evans seems to be the Bucks for life kind of cat. But – uh. Yeah, I mean, anyway, I mean, that, yeah, I think that they just got a couple of – they just got to pick and choose, um, which is a good position, I guess, to be in, mm-hmm. and then obviously nailed the draft. When it comes to Kansas City, I, I, I don't really know other than Graham. I think – I loved how you summed it up of just how you've got to go get linemen who can play, like, anywhere. Um, you can't just go get that one, you know, lineman who can only play that one specific position. You need to be able to have those guys. You can really just move around whenever someone gets hurt. And I'm going to end it on this. And Kyle, I think you got a question, but I want to end it on this. This is I had this thought that I put together as we were talking. The Bucks have just been, I don't want to call it again, we're not calling it luck, but just to just an observation is that when it when it came to the with, when it came to playing the Chiefs and playing the Packers, they had both recently lost their one of their best offensive linemen right before they played them. Yep. And I, I think that, that really I mean, it's just crazy how how important that position is. And you can never have too much, like too much talent there, and uh, you need depth. So, uh, and yeah, and it's it's it, it's hard to have an elite guy that could come off the bench. Um, he'll be playing for somebody else. But uh, man, I, it's gonna be fun to see. I, I think that I think that, that uh, Kansas City is kind of like let's add one or two more pieces and let's get back at this thing. Um, but I think they're focused more on defense. Um, but yeah, man, dude, the Bucks are in the driver's seat. It's gonna be interesting to see which direction they go with some of these guys because some of the guys that they're just gonna have to let go. Yeah, I'm kind of glad y'all were bringing Kyle, up what the you got Rojo for next situation because my 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 kind of question I was kind of want to bring up has to kind of deal with that. And I know we talked a couple weeks ago about paying running backs and how we think it's an awful idea for the most part. Like there might be two guys in the NFL you want to pay big bucks for, and I think throughout this situation his name hasn't even been brought up this podcast he's just further proven our point what in the world happened to levy on bell like we were thinking halfway through the year the chiefs pick him up and it's it's, <laughs> a, it's a wrap yeah but i mean he he did absolutely nothing for them over this year i mean i don't have the stats in front of me but i, I don't remember seeing yeah. how the highlights post one thing from levy on bell no. i don't remember seeing any stats from levy on bell i don't remember no. seeing anything like that so i mean do the chiefs just not care do they just kind of want to plug a running back by committee guy in at running back and just roll it with Mahomes, Hill and Kelsey or is 
Le'Veon Bell really fell off that much. Like, what is what is Le'Veon Bell market and guys like Fournette, guys like Rojo, like like guys like that. Like, is there really much of a market for them anymore? I mean, go ahead, Hampton. Well, I I I mean, um, I don't. That's a great point that you brought up, and I don't think so personally. I think with Le'Veon Bell, I think he's watched. He doesn't have the same elusiveness and jump cut ability that he used to have. He never was a speedster, but his speed, the the little speed that he did have is gone. I don't think he's the same weapon out of the backfield. And if I'm Kansas City, I'm riding with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You get back the, um, the Williams running back who played in the Super Bowl last year and was actually really good down the stretch for them. Um, and I just kind of ride those two guys. I don't pay – when you have Mahomes, Kelsey, and Hill – why pay um, a premium at that position when I think Edward Solaire will be better next year, another year in, in this, you know, in the system. And we, we can't remember or not can't remember. We can't forget that he got hurt in that Saints game. And I don't think he was quite the same when he came back um, after that, after that injury. So if I'm them, I either, I, I probably keep the people I have and then, um, you know, if you're not satisfied with that, maybe take a fire on a, a mid-tier running back like Rojo and or Leonard, um, mainly Leonard because he's going to be a free agent. But um, that's what I would do if I'm them. I, can I, I, I want to throw one more sure. situation. I think that mm-hmm. – well, actually, Graham, I'll, I'll pose this to you. Um, Graham, do you think that we're going to see running backs that, that, that are looking for these, these deals? I and mean, it's like there's not many buyers that see this – this position is as valuable as it has been in the past. Do you think, do you think we're going to see more people do like uh, Devonte Freeman did where he kind of like just waited until someone got hurt and then signed a contract? What, what do you think? Do you think that some of these guys actually find teams and get the money they're looking for? Do they take a pay cut or do you see some guys maybe sit on the sideline? I, I think there'll probably be a balance of both of those things. I, I, I see the teams, um, you know, they'll need to fill those needs at running back, those holes at running back where they say, you know what, you know, we're only a few pieces away, but you know, we know that in the draft we really need to hit these few positions, but we could improve running back as well. Um, I think that that'll come into play. Some of these guys will get signed. I don't know if it'll be to these uh, massive contracts that um, they they like or they'll sit out for forever. I think that in uh, Le'Veon, Le'Veon Bell's case, I mean, that didn't uh, really work out in the best possible way. Um, but I, I really do think that teams now are valuing the guys mm-hmm. that are creating the holes instead of the guys that are hitting those holes. Uh, they're they're spending they're spending money on offensive line, knowing that that is where it starts. If you don't have a good offensive line, it doesn't matter what kind of running back you have, you're going to be in a disadvantage. Um, so I think that's teams are changing their strategy. Whereas uh, ten years ago, it was we just have to get the best running back out there, and our running game will be good. And now the schemes and uh, coaches and mm-hmm. uh, front offices are realizing that, you know, that we don't have to have as good of a running back if we have, if we have that much better of an offensive line. So the offensive line play comes into uh, comes in uh, factor a, a whole lot. And so you see those guys getting paid and um, especially compared to running backs, which are you know, prone to get hurt easy. Um, don't really come back whenever they lose their spot, somebody else takes their place. Um, I, I, I could see a few of these running backs, pulling the Devontae Freeman, but uh, mm-hmm. n- nobody's goal is to ever sit out for, you know, I'll, 
no one ever says I'll sit out a few a few weeks because you never know what's going to happen. And you know, you know, five weeks down the road, then they might just go after another a, a younger guy just to fill the hole. Um, so we'll just have to see. I, I don't I, I don't really know. It's hard to read uh, front offices in the NFL. They're so secretive and. Uh, their movements and their desires and aspirations. That's what makes things like the draft and free agency so fun because you never know what a team's going to go after and who they're going to go after until they actually go and get them. So uh, it, it'll just be – it'll be, you know, time only tell. We'll have to just wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, and running backs just yeah. aren't trending upward. So go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, right. I just – I just I will say something pretty quick. It'll take pretty quick. Uh, I just think it's kind of funny how – we have all these guys holding outs, and it just proves to show that they're easily replaceable. I mean, you had Melvin Gordon, you had Melvin Gordon sitting out, and then yeah. what happens? Austin Eckler comes in and balls out, and it's like, well, all right, we don't, we don't really need you, Melvin. And then it's like, makes man, that catch too. Bell holding <laughs> out, it's like, all right, fine, we'll ship you to the worst organization in the NFL, and then you'll get picked up by the best organization in the NFL, and you'll just drop off and become a nobody, basically. Oh, and then you got Antonio Brown, who, yeah, he caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl, but he didn't even play against the Packers. And I don't think anybody's saying Antonio Brown's the reason the Bucks won last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then you even got guys like Zeke, who who kind of held out a little no. bit. And then, yeah, he gets paid, but what at what cost? You're the worst team in the worst division. Like, like all these guys that are holding out, like, yeah, you get your bag, but at the <laughs> same time, if you're trying to win, like, you're so easily replaceable. I mean, all these guys were easily replaced by younger, cheaper guys, and it's just like, man, well, you can hold out if you want, but I think GMs are starting to realize, like, we ain't going to pay you that big money. If you want if you want to get paid, you better come play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just kind of – I just think it's funny and ironic. Go ahead. Well, it, if, I'm a, if I'm a GM, I want a Tom Brady and a Mike Evans type guy that are going to say – you know what? I'm gonna. I'm not gonna hold out. But I'll. You know what I'll do? I'll offer to take less money and to restructure my deal to make this team better. And guess what? When that happens, GMs and coaches are more likely to reward you. And you're the type of guy that they want on their team—a high character guy who is all about football, all about the team, and all about winning. And to go along with your point, Graham, you can have all these good skill players, but if you're not elite in the trenches. You don't win games, and that's where the Bucks had the biggest advantage Sunday was the trenches, and I think that's what won them the game. And, you know, we've said that before on, on the show about how important it is to build your team in the draft um, by, you know, bolstering a good offensive line, a good defensive yeah, line. Yeah, I, I so also kind of want to point, in, Great point uh, by you, Graham. A little bit like Kyle's talking about. I think teams really appreciate the guys that just really – they come to play, they say, you know what – uh, I, I want a contract, uh, a new contract, more money, whatever, but I'm still going to come to practice. I think if I'm a GM, that's the, those are the guys I want to go after. It's the, it's the guys that, you know, yes, we, we obviously know that you want uh, a yeah. new contract and we'd like to talk to you about that. But the best way to prove that you want to stay here and, you know, that you're interested in re-signing is, you know, coming to practice, coming to OTAs, coming to all those other things instead of sitting out and, you know, kind of playing, you know, your cards like that. I think that's some things that – that's one thing that um, – NFL fans don't really really appreciate because there's not many, you know, in uh, the other sports, players don't really do that. You know, if you sit out, you don't get paid. Uh, and, and so um, I, I, that's that's one knock that the NFL definitely has is people and players sitting out wanting new contracts and fans are just sitting there saying, you're getting paid millions of dollars and you're complaining that that's not enough. 
whereas there's people that, you know, especially nowadays, struggling to get through uh, because, you know, of different circumstances, everything like that. And it's like you've got – you're making millions of dollars, and that's just not good enough for you. And that just kind of rubs fans the wrong way. Um, but anyway, we can move on. Yeah, no. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I think I think we pretty much covered covered all that, and uh, I think that'll kind of do it for our main topics of the show. But before we go, we want to give our listeners kind of a brief um, brief little update on kind of what the show is going to look like from here on out, and also what we're going to be monitoring um, as free agency and um, the draft process starts to kind of kick into effect. So. We'll definitely be watching the Russell Wilson situation. Seems to be kind of upset uh, with Seattle not putting a good offensive line around him and him getting um, sat constantly. So we'll definitely watch that. Carson Wentz should be traded any day now. Where does he go? Might looking like he might go to Chicago. And what you know, if he goes there, what does that mean for them and their chances in the NF in the NFC South? Um, we've got Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, still disgruntled in Houston. Where does he end up? You got, there might be Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota trade rumors. You've got, um, you know, meant just many teams looking for quarterbacks. Um, free agency is going to be very wild this year. I think a lot of mid tier level guys who are really good players are going to, um, not probably get the contract that they're expecting. And I think some shrewd teams are going to be able to get um, some deals that really benefit them and catapult them into that championship window. Um, but it, we cannot wait to kind of dive into that as it happens. And I think our plan is um, we're going <laughs> to join Mr. Wozwab, who already went ahead and started his vacation this week. Um, and we're going to go on a, you know, one to two week hiatus, depending on, um, the news is kind of out there in the NFL. And when we come back, we'll definitely, you know, recap any free agency news uh, that has um, happened since then. But also we're going to really uh, dive deep into the draft and do positional breakdowns and kind of rank team or rate players on um, how we view them as prospects. Might do a mock draft live here on the show which I think would be a really fun idea go through a first-round mock draft and kind of see where we slate certain players. But, uh, you know, we got a lot of fun content coming up in this offseason. We're going to do our best to keep you engaged and keep you um, interested in kind of what's, what's going on with free agency and the NFL draft. But uh, before, we, before we kind of go, guys, uh, I know this is our final show, kind of recapping actual games and – I just wanted uh, to give you all a shot to um, say any final words about the season, kind of how the pot has gone to this point. And, um, Chase, I'll kind of start with you, man. Uh, just take it away, and uh, when you all are done, you all kick it back to me, and I'll close this out. Well, thanks for letting me go first. Um, man, I, I think that really if I could just, like, say something to you guys and say something, I mean, it sounds weird to, like, say, like, to the listeners, but, I mean, we, we just kind of started doing this because I honestly feel like for me, when I used to get to see all you guys at least once a week, more than likely, most of the times it was more, um, man, all we did was talk football. And now that, that, that I've kind of gone out here to Texas and, 
and uh, Hampton, you've graduated, and, and uh, Kyle and Graham, you guys have, you know, getting there. Um, man, it just like it, it's it's really fun to have this like space where we can just uh, man, we can continue those conversations. And hopefully, like man, if if we do this, just for us to look back on and just be like, man, that's something really fun that we you know listen to us, listen to us talk about, you know, because I think all of us grew up listening to, I mean, like a, a dad or an uncle talk about like, oh man, back when Joe Namath used to play or when, you know, all these like old, you know, old football players, that's what we're going to sound like. And I think it's really fun that we're, uh, that we're just documenting this moment. And uh, for the listeners that man, that y'all take like literally take time out of your day as you're driving or in the shower or something like that, just to cut us on and see what, see what crazy takes we have. And uh, I think that it, it's fun just for me to, I think, have a, a getaway, um, man, just so much going on in the world right now. It's nice to have that one space where, Man, we can, uh, man, have that getaway when it comes to sports, man. And uh, I enjoy doing it each week. And man, I've, I've uh, really enjoyed it. So, yeah, man, I've, I've really enjoyed it like this season. I mean, we, we in the past we played fantasy football, and that kind of <laughs> uh, kept our friend group sort of close. We'd always have stuff to talk about, just different things happening, trades going on, stuff like that. But it was all, it was just really fun for us to say, you know what, this season we're going to actually, you know, record what we're going to say. And so I've really enjoyed it. Uh, I've enjoyed you know talking to you guys. I I, I, I talk to y'all more now than uh, I would have. So I really appreciate the podcast. Um, and I just think we're just you know some average Joes that you know, like uh, like we say we're have, have uh, original analysis. We're not experts. We're just kind of average guys that um, just love you know watching football, love talking about it. So I've enjoyed it. I appreciate the uh, listeners out there, uh, whoever it is. I mean, we, we don't I, – I don't do it for the massive numbers. I just do it because I enjoy doing it. And um, I, I enjoy I, – I enjoy talking <laughs> – I enjoy talking to you Humble. guys. I mean, it, it's one of the highlights of my week <laughs> to, to come here and talk to you all. So, I appreciate it. Uh, kudos to you all for uh, making bold predictions, some that came true, some that did not. Um, and uh, just working for – you know, working uh, forward, I'm going to work uh, on getting my – uh, predictions better this year they struggled towards the end i'm gonna work on that and uh maybe get some uh, inside sources if we can work on that as well kyle uh what about this season and the trojan tailgate podcast network uh just really stood out to you dude it's been a, it's been a heck of a time honestly and i know we've said it a lot but it's like we don't care if we had zero listeners each week you know we just enjoy talking about sports and that's that's really the ultimate reason we did this and also like like as chase kind of hinted at you know we are graduating we're already graduated and we are kind of going separate directions in life and it's like i live three four hours from graham in uh hampton and chase is in texas and it's kind of like this is a way we can kind of make sure we keep up with each other and we're doing things we love talking about and i don't know it's just a really fun time and also, it's developed me into a Washington fan, so I love that, too. <laughs> About to order me a Heineke jersey. That's <laughs> and I'll wear it with my with my Alex Smith knee brace. <laughs> but, hey, but all no, right. it's, it's been awesome. Uh, I really have enjoyed it. And like I said, I mean, we might have zero listeners, but I guarantee we'll be back next year. Hampton, close us out, brother. 100%, man. I echo what all of y'all said. It's been a pleasure. Um I thank, I mean, thank y'all for kind of taking, you know, taking a step and being willing to do this each and every week. I know it, it means a lot to me. Um, 
that not only, you know, we get to do it, but, but also to consider y'all friends and um, have y'all in my life. I truly appreciate that. And uh, we will definitely uh, keep doing this. If we have um, zero listeners, a hundred listeners, whatever, we just, uh, we enjoy doing it. We love sports and we hope that kind of comes, I mean, we hope that comes across in each podcast that we do that not only, um, I think we think we're pretty knowledgeable about it, but not only that, we're passionate, um, passionate about it. And uh, we hope you continue to stick around and kind of see where we go, you know, where we go from here and stick around for off season talk, because uh, that's going to be really fun too. Just as, just as fun, if not more fun than actually recapping games. So um, that'll do it for the final 2020 episode of the Trojan Tailgate Network's NFL Recap Show. Thank you, as always, for listening. Be sure to follow us on social media, on our Twitter and Instagram. Be sure to listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And uh, just thank you so much for all your support this year. And we will be back in a week or two um, when breaking news hits or um, it's time to break down the draft. So thank you so much. And we can't wait to talk to you all again very, very soon. Boom.